0: BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back.
1: Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Shorley. still here. I've not been reshuffled yet. Lots of speculation there might be a reshuffle. Who knows? Uh, we will um, we'll bring you uh, any news as and when we get it. If you are interested in reshuffles, actually, have a quick look. Have it, you can do a search search times red box uh, um, for reshuffles, because we did a special on this a few months ago. Uh, it will be a good um, uh, prep for if there is a reshuffle later this week. In the absence of that, it's Wednesday. The House of Commons is back. It means PMQ's Unpacked is back. The House of Commons Chamber is packed. Uh, we pause the action to try and explain what is going on between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer, and They've got quite a lot to talk about. Uh, so that's coming up in just a moment. First, though, it's our columnist panel, and it's a Wednesday, so it must be Crampon. That's Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson. OK, let's start with the uh, the social care announcement from yesterday. Uh, it was it was reported in one of the papers that Boris Johnson was in invincible mode. He was just decided it basically... His position in the polls was so solid. His uh, support in the House of Commons from his Tory MPs is so solid. He could basically do what he likes. And so far, at least, that seems to be borne out, doesn't it, Alice?
2: When you say he can do what he likes, I don't think he probably wants to raise taxes. I think what is extraordinary to me is that Boris Johnson, for the first time, has actually done something that he knows may not be popular or populist, um, but actually is very necessary. So they had to do something about social care. and We've been writing about it for years, and... You know, I remember the death tax that um, they were worried about Gordon Brown bringing in. Then there was the dementia tax with Theresa May. Everyone's tried it and everyone's failed and it's been a sort of graveyard of disasters. So the fact that Boris is actually trying to make a go of it is quite impressive. Actually, it's the first time I have been impressed for a long time by him because I think he is making a go of it. The problem is whether the money actually goes to social care or it just goes to the NHS uh, is going to be one to watch and actually how it's spent and what they're going to do with it.
1: And given you, you've done quite a lot of reporting on uh, social care uh, for the times over the years, are you, is there enough money? Is there enough focus? Is there enough understanding on what needs to be done, do you think?
2: Well, that's what's interesting to me is actually the social care um, people who are, you know, desperate for more cash, they have been cautiously welcoming of this just as something that might get done because they are in crisis. I mean, you know, if you talk to anyone in the care industry, there are no. absolutely no applicants coming forward to do the job, let alone the whole discussion about whether or not they need to be jabbed. They just can't get people at all to work in any of the care homes. There is a crisis in the funding um it's a really really sad industry in that you know people are living at home get these 15 minute visits um they're very lonely i think it's a really tough job um, being in social care so anything that boris johnson could do is better the problem is i don't think he's actually addressed in what he's going to do with the money and it could all easily just be soaked up by the nhs uh,
1: what have you made of the uh the past 24 hours in politics robert
3: I think I don't know about invincible. I think he might be okay on the uh, on the social care thing. Although, as Alice says, it's not like it's, I mean, it's, money isn't everything. It needs to, it needs to have a, a proper joined up look. I remember when my own mum was sort of bouncing between the NHS and uh, care home. Uh, you you had to sort of start from scratch each time. You thought this is ridiculous. These these two things ought to be joined up. I, I think, though, politically, that the, the the bigger problem might be the uh, the suspension of the triple lock uh, because pensioners seem to be. Uh, well, one is they vote. Secondly, they vote Tory. And thirdly, they seem to be incredibly selfish. <laughs> uh, they always—it's always about uh, what affects them. And although it's only been suspended for a year, I suspect they'll probably try and suspend it for longer. And that, I think, could have, well have an impact uh, with his uh, his popularity in that election.
1: So, I, I wonder if there's a—we sort of there, there seems to be a sort of received wisdom in. Uh, uh, politic discussions about politics. That actually, um, the si- the the secret to success in politics is to please, try and please everyone all the time, or at least not upset anybody. And actually, successful politicians, whether it's Margaret Thatcher or Tony Blair, uh, often m- d- made decisions knowing it wouldn't please everyone, but it would. But sometimes you need to take tough decisions, and you sometimes get credit for doing that, even if people don't like them. And I just wonder, um, Alice, if Boris Johnson is going to get some credit for. Nobody wants to pay more tax. Anyone who says that is mad. Uh, but uh, but actually, for gra- appearing to grasp his nestle, uh, putting up tax, um, you know, reducing the amount that your pensions are going to be increased by, taking away universal credit, sort of across the board, none of these are particularly popular. But do you get credit for taking difficult decisions rather than taking no decisions?
2: I think in the end he probably will, partly because of Covid, because you can't really break manifesto commitments, as the Lib Dems discovered uh, with tuition fees. But you can do things differently after a pandemic, we discovered, because everything changes. And I think that's what Boris Johnson decided, is that he had um, an easier ride, probably, if he was going to start breaking commitments. Now, although he's never worried about breaking commitments before, I don't think. But I I do feel there is a chance now because it's just such a different world. So they've got to work out a way of, of, you know, solving social care and helping the NHS out. But also, I think for him, um, very much, uh, the the issue is also polling. And he probably has polled it because I was surprised at how many people are actually pro uh, a hike in national insurance. And, you know, 44 percent of people said they wouldn't mind. With forty-three percent against, I thought most of the country would say no to it. So, so it'd it would be interesting to see how it changes. But there, there, there isn't a sort of groundswell of um, feeling against raising any tax at all.
1: It was interesting because the, um, there was some polling that uh, YouGov did for the Times at the weekend, where support for it was actually higher. I think. Um... Uh, uh, yes, yeah, 64% supported the idea of increasing national insurance from 12 to 13%. Uh, uh, and now it has gone down, you yeah, know, when it was an abstract, might you do that? Uh, and now it's an actual real thing. It's uh, support. But you're right, to have 44% of people in favour, 43%, yeah, 43, 44% of people in favour of a tax rise is quite, it's quite something, maybe because it is bound up in the NHS and social care and all of that, and people, you know, people like that
3: stupid they know they know something you know the pandemic has shown that the the biggest losers if you like the biggest victims of the pandemic above all were people in care homes so that has focused people's minds that something needs to be done about it and they're willing to uh we're willing to be generous uh it's uh and maybe maybe now is a good you know now's the, the good time or maybe the only time that you can that you can do that uh i think also people are i suppose people are changing a bit in terms of i mean the 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 Tory party was expected to repel and that just melted away didn't it so in terms in as in so much as they're representative then it seems that the public is willing to, to bear this at least for a while uh providing they see some improvements and those improvements will be hard to uh to register in in in, in the next three years it's a long term thing isn't it
1: uh, Alice, at the risk of upsetting um, uh, our correspondent who accused me of turning everything into being about the Labour Party, what can the Labour Party do when faced with a high-taxing, high-spending Conservative
2: Party? I thought that were actually, when you read out her complaint, because it is true, you do have to look at the Labour Party. And we did do a thunderer today about the problems for Keir Starmer, because if you come out as a Labour leader railing yeah. against tax rises, um, it, it feels odd. It feels like you've flipped over roles. And that is a strange situation to be in. I think Keir Starmer really needs to say what he would do with social care and how he would change it, whether he would have a different sort of tax. In Japan, they have a tax on the over 40s, which seems to work quite well. Um, They have far more insurance-based policies in Germany, but he needs to say what he wants to do. He can't just say, well, we're not having any tax rises, because that sounds both sort of implausible and almost immature that you'll just, no, we won't. (laughs) <laughs> um, well, what are we going to do with all these elderly people? And as Robert said, they have had such a terrible time um, with COVID um, and that I think people do feel a groundswell of support for them. And now is the time of any time to try and sort it out.
1: Uh, what do you think, Robert? Have you were giving Thomas some advice?
3: It's hard. and I've been, I've been saying this for the whole of the pandemic. It's extremely hard to combat a, a, a a Tory Chancellor who sort of looks and sounds very sensible, but is nonetheless spending money like this, like <laughs> there's no tomorrow. I mean, that's a very difficult combination to the Labour Party. Uh, I think, I suppose, he's got to talk about wages for for for, uh, for people working in care homes. There doesn't seem to be a great deal of uh, uh, talk about uh, increasing those. Uh, and he's also going to make the point that this is essentially a measure to stop uh, to prevent middle class people having to sell their um, Houses, or, or remortgage their houses in order to pay for their care. It's a cap of eighty-six thousand, so an awful lot of fairly well-off people are going to benefit from uh, from this. And Starmer and the Labour Party, I guess, didn't make the point that they didn't, they shouldn't necessarily be the the, the prime beneficiaries, which the, which, the, which which they will be. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I could, that's something. But you know it's it's incredibly difficult when they when the Tory party is it just loosens the purse strings like this.
1: Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson, then, of course, you can read them both in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked.
2: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
0: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.
1: You're listening to the Redbox Podcast. Now it's time for this... PMQs unpacked on
4: Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire.
1: Order, order. I call Matt Chorley. And Patrick Maguire. And here he is in the studio. How are you? Good afternoon. Well, I'm hurt
5: and upset that you've spent so much time with Lindsay Hall recently. (laughs) And you haven't taken the opportunity...
1: I'll tell you what, to when, to record when we're in surely next week, uh, next Friday, I'll get him to do it then. Because you are quite right, we should update that uh, that jingle. I mean, it's you. not the most pressing thing. We can see the pictures from the House of Commons just winding up the uh, earlier set of questions. The House of Commons packed out for PMQs in a way that we haven't seen it for 18 months. And we haven't seen it at all while we've been doing PMQs unpacked. It's
5: Keir Starmer's very first test in this environment. And let's see whether he, let's see, the get the clapometer out on the Labour benches, but also let's see how he responds in uh, to sort of Tory barracking. We had a bit of it in the Afghanistan recall debate and um, in the debate yesterday, but this
1: is a different kettle of fish entirely. And uh, the big question is, what is he going to do about this national insurance rise? An extraordinary situation where nobody from Labour did any media this morning on it. Yes, exactly. That's because Labour... Um, doesn't really,
5: hasn't, beyond uh, not wanting to come out and endorse tax, they're terrified of being seen um, as a tax and spend party, even though the Conservative Party has remade itself and redefined itself, seemingly, as a tax and spend party. They don't want to fall into what they think is a trap. Um, but in the process, they found themselves in a position of quite empty opposition, saying, um, we don't like High taxes or, or raising taxes, to which the question is, "Well, what do you want then?" And as you say, they don't have an answer. And for Keir Starmer, that's politically very difficult because then you have people like Andy Burnham making a, you know, divisive but um, at least coherent case for taxes on wealth, um, and uh, others on the left of the party saying things, uh, stepping into that vacuum and saying things that Keir Starmer would that would not want the Labour Party to to say. It seems so. Let's see if he goes in on social care whether he has, A, a plan of his own or, B, a rejoinder to the, what Boris Johnson will inevitably say. We will definitely hear Boris Johnson say,
1: as he did yesterday, well, what is your plan? And uh, I was looking, because, you know, this is how I like to spend my mornings, I looked back at the Labour manifesto from 2019, uh, which, were, which promised big tax hikes on uh, high earners. Uh, there were um, increasing income tax for people on over £80,000 and over £125,000. And on their own sums, it would raise about five and a half billion pounds. So about half the amount that Boris Johnson's is uh, is talking about. And part of the problem is if you want to raise big sums, you have to tax lots of people. There are, there's a symbolism and there's a fairness question about taxing the very wealthy. But unless you really, really clobber them, you don't raise enough money to to pay for things like the the, the social care and the NHS issue.
5: Yeah, indeed, and that's why you know. When Andy Burnham, when he was health secretary in twenty in twenty ten, proposed, uh, you know, he talks about this white paper he proposed by, and it was all it was all about death duties, and the Tories, as you'll remember, Matt, very effectively campaigned on it in the general election as Labour's death tax, um, precisely because, and then George Osborne um, politically adroitly uh, went on to take a lot of people out of inheritance tax because nobody, everyone hates the idea of inheritance tax. So even Andy, but you know, Andy Burnham said, "Let's tax wealth." What he means is, everybody will pay you know, a larger number of people will pay inheritance tax, which is itself toxic So, as you say, um, it's all very well and good Labour saying we don't want to tax working people, but the absence, the vacuum they've left...
1: Prove, rather proves your point, I think. Uh, and In terms of the politics of this, the polling is really interesting. So at the weekend, we had a, um, a poll, a YouGov poll for The Times, uh, asked, would you support increasing uh, the basic rate of national insurance from 12%, 13% in order to increase spending on the NHS? 64% of people support that. Now 44% of people actually support what Boris Johnson's doing. Now ahead of the 43% of people who oppose. So let's see how all the politics all pans out. It's PMQs Unpacked. We go live to the House of Commons for the first question from Keir Starmer.
6: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, I want to ask the Prime Minister about the promise he made to the British people to guarantee that no one needing care has to sell their home to pay for it. Does that guarantee still stand?
4: Yes. Mr. Speaker, what this uh, plan for health and social care does) is deal after decades with the catastrophic costs faced by millions of people, the risks that they face up and down the the country that they could face the loss of their home, their possessions, their ability to pass on anything uh, to their children. This is the government that is not only dealing with that problem, but understands that in order to to deal with the problems of the NHS backlogs, you also have to fix social care. We're taking the tough decisions, Mr. Speaker, that the country wants to see. We're putting another 36 billion pounds in. And what I'd like to know from the leader of the Labour Party, uh, Mr. Speaker, is what is he going to do tonight? The silence, silence from Mission Control. In his,
6: can I just say, if you don't want to hear the Prime Minister, I certainly do, and
4: I can't hear him. It's not acceptable. Prime Minister, be finished.
1: That's the Speaker are ticking off toy MPs.
4: Either of the opposition, whether he's going to vote for our measures tonight, Mr. Speaker. I know I know the House has been away, but it's still Prime Minister's questions. Keir Starmer. Oh, well,
1: let's just jump in there. <laughs> Already, Patrick, we're seeing as the I difference. We're I'm seeing predicted. the what happens when you fill the House of Commons with MPs. They make a lot more noise. So, I mean, I think an interesting line of attack from Keir Starmer is whether or not Boris Johnson's plan, as laid out, addresses the thing that he once promised... Uh, to guarantee that people won't have to sell their homes in order to fund their care that is not even on the plan laid out yesterday a promise that he can keep is it
5: no it's not uh, particularly with that um with the cap and the taper rate there is no guarantee um that nobody will have to sell their home certainly particularly if um you know you're at the lower end of that asset range and um you know you have a house that's not worth very much Uh, Over say it's worth one hundred and seventy grand, and you have that you have to find that eighty grand somewhere. So, as you say, he can't keep that promise.
1: And I I suppose the big question for most people: the single big asset they have is is their their home. So uh, to say that you can that you will only have to spend up to eighty thousand pounds on care is better than an unlimited amount. But most people can't lay their hands on eighty thousand pounds without selling their house.
5: Exactly. And 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 the political value of of this. You saw this in the grudging praise Boris Johnson got from all political quarters yesterday. This is such a massive issue uh, politically that being seen to sort it is making a stop. But what do we mean by sort it? Yeah, I think yeah, most yeah. reasonable people in the public would say, well, nobody wants to sell their home or sell Granny's house that's the, to keep her in That's been the, that's her been her the care. thing that
1: why this has been such a political was And that was, and, and and that yeah, was yeah, yeah.
5: exactly why Theresa May's plan was so toxic. So Keir Starmer is clearly trying to draw a line between them but then you (laughs) saw the rejoinder that I predicted
1: from the Prime Minister. (laughs) Well, also not. uh, Well, let's go back and see if, if, slightly weirdly, Keir Starmer answers the question from Boris Johnson.
6: Thank you, Mr Speaker. I noticed the Prime Minister didn't stand by his guarantee that no-one will need to sell their house to pay for care. Let me explain explain why he didn't. Under the Prime Minister's plan, someone with £186,000, if you include the value of their home, That is not untypical across the country in all of your constituents. Facing large costs because they have to go into care, will have to pay £86,000 under his plan, and that is before living costs. Where does the Prime Minister think that they are going to get that £86,000
4: without selling their home? Mr. Speaker, as, as I think everybody understood in the long uh, debate, the long uh, statement yesterday, uh, this is the first time that the state has actually come in to deal with the threat of these catastrophic costs, uh, and thereby, thereby, enabling, Mr. Speaker, the private sector, the financial services industry, to supply the the products, the insurance products that people need to guarantee themselves against the cost uh, of care. And what we're actually doing, Mr. Speaker. Is lifting the floor, lifting the, the guarantee for uh, by to, up to £100,000, where you, nobody has to pay anything across the, across the entire country. And what we still have to hear from the, from the opposition is what they would do to fix the backlogs, fix the backlogs in the NHS, uh, and fix social care after decades of inertia and inactivity. What would he do?
1: I can see a pattern emerging here, Patrick McGuire. Keir time is very keen to get into the weeds of this, uh, the detail of the policy, and Boris Johnson wants to uh, very much focus on the politics. We should point out, as uh, expected, almost all Labour MPs are wearing masks, one or two masks on the toy back benches, but um, uh, most are not wearing masks. Um, <laughs> anything more to add to those exchanges? It's essentially the same exchange as the first one. I'd say... As, but I think Boris Johnson does have a point, that this
5: policy issue has been defined by almost a decade and more of inertia so the value of doing anything at this point politically regardless of the merits of the policy um, and as we go on more people being drawn into tax um, the political impact of that may outweigh the benefit at this point but being seen to be the government who get a grip of this policy issue is worth more politically I would argue at this point than the down, than the downfalls of the policy, in years to come, when the bulk of this money, this hypothecated tax, is swallowed up by the NHS and not social care, the quality of care hasn't improved. Um, families still find themselves, i.e., selling their houses, and they're clobbered by the so-called hotel costs of residential care. Then maybe a storm will come. But Boris Johnson right. clearly thinks he's always got his own legacy building. I will be the Prime Minister who tackled head-on this policy issue that nobody else was willing to, and the Labour Party, crucially, are not going to propose anything. And so, again, Keir Starmer looks
1: like the backseat driver, um, the hurler in the ditch, the, the, you know, the, the fence-sitter-in-chief. The, uh, the, yeah, the Howie the, um, the Enfield couch. I don't believe he wanted to do that, turning up after the event. I have to say, looking at the pictures, Boris Johnson looks like he's enjoying himself more than Keir Starmer. But let's go back and see if Starmer uh, is going to enjoy his third question.
6: Plan. His plan is to impose his plan is to impose an unfair tax on working people. My plan is to ensure my plan is to ensure that those with the broadest shoulders pay their fair share. That is the difference. That is the. Order,
3: order, order, order.
6: Both sides. I need to hear the question. I also need to have the answers. If there are some MPs who do not want to hear it, and I'm sure their constituents want to hear it, it's not good to shout either side down when they are either asking or answering a question. Please, our constituents are interested. I want to hear, and they'll want to hear. Chris Thank you, Mr Hall, Speaker. His stamp impose this. unfair taxes on working people. My plan is to ensure those with the broadest shoulders pay their fair share. Yeah. I know they don't like that debate. Yeah. Yeah. The truth is, his plans don't do what he claims. People will still face huge bills. Many homeowners will need to sell their homes. He's not denying it when he could have done. And the Prime Minister has failed the only test he set for himself for social care. It was in the manifesto. Another manifesto promised Prime Minister. No good shaking your head. And who's going to pay for the cost of this failure? Working people. Under his plan, plan, a landlord renting out dozens of properties won't pay a penny more. But their tenants in work will face tax rises of hundreds of pounds a year a care worker earning the minimum wage doesn't get a pay rise under this plan but does get a tax rise in what world
4: in what world is that fair
1: uh, bold Mr. Speaker, actually, the
4: Institute for Fiscal Studies uh, has confirmed that this is a broad-based and progressive measure. Uh, the, the, top, the top 20% of, of households uh, by income will pay 40 times uh, what the poorest uh, 20% pay. The top 14 percent pay uh, half of the, the entire levy. Now, Mr. Speaker, uh, he talks about his plan. Well, actually, it turns out I've been scouring the records uh, for evidence of the Labour plan... And I found it, Mr Speaker. In 2018, the current Shadow Secretary of State uh, for Social Care joined forces with Nick Bowles and Norman Lamb to promote a new dedicated health and social care tax, Mr Speaker, based on national insurance. The current... Where is she? I can't see her, I can't see her in her place, Mr. Speaker. And she said she said this was to be this was to be the country's beverage moment.
1: <laughs> it's Liz Kendall, well, what, the shadow cabinet. Is the he's Labour Party about.
4: really going to vote against the new beverage moment tonight? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Rishi Sunak enjoying that very much on the uh, on the front bench there. A bit of uh, sharp political uh, research by the Conservative Party, uh, and that is the problem, isn't it? But when um, uh, Keir Starmer says, "My plan is to ensure that those with the broadest shoulders pay their fair share," we haven't got a plan from the Labour Party. There is no uh, specific tax rise on the wealth they're talking about. And as I was saying at the beginning, even the the tax rise to cl- to uh, to target those with the broadest shoulders as set out by John McDonnell would only have raised half the amount of money that Boris Johnson is. And, and if they did come back with a concrete proposal, they'd find that
5: they were encountering the same political squeamishness that has the, 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 they are turning on the Tories, i.e. the public in our home-owning democracy are very protective of their homes. So nobody wants to embrace a policy that puts people's mortgage-free, yeah. pen, the mortgage-free houses of pensioners at risk. And that is what Andy Bird wouldn't put the houses at risk, but big levies on estates, you know, the dementia tax, what do these policies have in common? The idea that I've worked hard all my life and you're taking it away from me, regardless of
1: whether that's an accurate critique, it's what the public think. And the interesting point that Tom was making about landlords uh, and their earnings, because they, they don't pay national insurance on those earnings, they would pay income tax, but the argument is that the government's gone for national insurance because people associate that with the NHS. It's the nice bit of the tax that you pay. and An increase in national insurance is seen as a nicer, politically easier thing to do than an increase in income tax. Right, let's go back and hear uh, Keir Starmer, uh, question number four.
6: Mr Speaker, Mi- Mr Speaker, let me tell you what an ambitious young member for Henley said in 2002 <laughs> in this
1: house. That was Boris Johnson in his first outing what as a Conservative MP.
6: National insurance increases are regressive. I wonder what happened to him. Mr Speaker, if the Prime Minister is going ahead with this unfair tax, can he at least tell us this? Will his plan clear the NHS waiting list backlog by the end of this
4: Parliament? Yes or no? That's
6: probably the big political question. The whole country
4: country can appreciate that we at least have a plan. to fix the backlogs. And we at least understand, Mr Speaker, that the only way to fix the long-term underlying problems in the NHS, the problem of delayed discharges, is to fix the crisis in social care as well, which Labour failed to address for decades. And we're going on ahead and doing it, Mr Speaker. And what I've just understood for him tonight, I think think out of that that minestrone of nonsense has floated a crouton of fact. He is going to vote against the measures tonight. Ah! They're going to vote against plans to fix the backlogs and fix social care. Vote Labour, Mr Speaker. Wait longer.
5: Right. That is, that, it's interesting how that very effortless pivot from Boris Johnson at the end um, of that classic oration with his favourite metaphor, the minestrone. Uh, <laughs> he used to describe sloppy oratory. Um, I, I always enjoy that one. How Note how seamlessly he pivoted from this is a social care tax to this is an NHS backlog tax. And in doing so, he preempts the criticism that Labour will inevitably, indeed wants to make at the next election, which is look at your NHS waiting list, look how long you're waiting for routine treatment. When we came into government in 97, we fixed this, the same old Tories, it's the same old uh, you know, degradation of the NHS, you're having to wait longer for treatment, your local hospital is on the rocks. Boris Johnson is having it both ways. It's it's classic cakeism. It's both attacks to solve the social care crisis once and for all, as Rishi Sunak described it in this morning's Times as well. And it's also, oh, we're fixing the NHS we're backlog. It, we can spend it double. Even though the latter is the reason why this probably isn't a lasting settlement to to solve social care. Because it,
1: it, the, the implication just is more that money. in three years' time, they're going to have to take £12 billion, uh, 12 billion pounds off the NHS, essentially. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the other thing that's worth really pointing out, uh, the uh, political research of both teams, uh, I think it's fair to say, have upped their game. Uh, digging out what uh, Liz Kendall once did, the shadow care minister. Uh, It was quite sparked by number 10. And then uh, the Labour team digging around in uh, what Boris Johnson said when he was the MP for Henley.
5: You don't have to look very hard for a telegraph comment comment piece or a uh, parliamentary speech from a younger Boris Johnson that contradicts what Boris Johnson (laughs) is saying now. Indeed, sometimes you just have to look to last week. (laughs) Let's
1: go back to question number five. This is Keir Starmer.
6: Mr Speaker, it was a yes-no question. You either clear the backlog, or you don't. And he can say, he can't even say that he'll do that. So there we have it. Working people will pay higher tax. Those in need will still lose their homes to pay for care. And he can't even say if the NHS backlog will be cleared. Well, he gesticulates, but they're all breaking their manifesto promises I'm putting up taxes on their working constituents for this and, Mr Speaker, tax rises aren't the only way he's making working people worse off. 2.5 million million working families will face a double whammy, a national insurance tax rise and a £1,000 a year universal credit cut. They're getting hit from both sides. Of all the ways to raise public funds, why is the
4: Prime Minister insisting on hammering working people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, we're proud of what we've been doing throughout this pandemic to look after working people. We're proud of the, of the extra £9 billion that we put in through universal credit. And Mr Speaker, I think pe- people in this House and across the country should know Labour wants to scrap universal credit altogether. <laughs> We believe, we believe in higher wages and better skills, Mr Speaker, and, and it is working. That's why we we've, we've investing in 13500 work coaches, £3,000 a year for 11 million adults across this country to train under the Lifetime Skills Guarantee. And it's working, Mr Speaker, because for the first time since 2019, after, after years and years of stagnation, you are seeing wages. Wages are rising, Mr Speaker. Wages are rising for the lower paid. They believe in welfare. We believe in higher wages and higher skills and better jobs.
1: Blimey, there's a lot of noise there. It's a bit sign of, uh, of how the House of Commons is uh, full. I mean, but Keir Starmer seems to be inching towards a sort of political attack of hammering working people. We were just discussing uh, universal credit earlier uh, uh, as well, and um, that's likely to come back to the House of Commons next week. Um, so he's he's got a political attack line without having an alternative. Yes, and the interesting thing about the universal credit
5: criticism is that again it's coherent from the Labour Party. Um, the government is te- going to be taking money, particularly away from low paid, with the national insurance increase and the universal credit increase. Um, but in another way, it's testament to the coherence of um, Rishi Sunak, regardless of whether it's economically illiterate or will cause the government political headaches later rishi sunak has imposed upon this government a very uh coherent and understandable to the public um way of thinking about government spending which is if we commit to something and boris johnson likes committing to to public (laughs) spending as we've seen um it has to be paid for you know take away the universal credit increase tax to pay for the nhs you know it's a very uh you know Rishi Sunak is not a tax and spend conservative. He's a fiscal conservative. And that idea of, well, either we're going to have to cut something or we're going to have to raise revenue elsewhere. And Keir Stommer pointing out, you're taking away universal credit from people. Rishi Sunak will stand up many times, indeed has already stood up uh, before the Commons in public, and they'll say, well, look, I have to make these tough decisions. The government doesn't have very much money. <laughs> but, you know, we're tackling these the questions that no one else wants to... And, as, and, and, and could, I'm going to pay for it somehow.
1: And his popularity has been so huge and public support for what Rishi Sunak has done for the last 18 months in terms of literally paying people's wages, um, you know, all the financial support for individuals and businesses. I know it's not been universal, but lots of people, and it comes up all the time in our focus groups, lots of people like what he's done. And essentially, he's he's going to cash some of that in now. The people are going to uh, he's hoping it's a gamble by the government, but it's you know it, maybe they think it's one worth taking. That the credit they've got for the past eighteen months uh, for doing for support for putting in place so much support, they can cash in some of that credit now by by taking those tough decisions.
5: And it's one it's that affectation of sort of frankness with the public Two, the public more readily understand the idea that the government has to tax to spend and I'm much more comfortable with that, or has to cut to spend and the government doesn't have a finite amount of money, then you are making the economic case that interest rates are really low and we should borrow to invest.
1: All the public hears is borrowing debt. or that's horrific. And actually, I do think one of the sort of broader impacts of the past 18 months of the pandemic and people watching those press conferences and really engaging in the intricacies of government decision making is that, it comes up all the time in the focus. People have quite a sophisticated understanding of the decisions that government ministers have to make and the trade-offs and all that sort of thing. Uh, well, let's go back, because it's time for question number six, which is always uh, where we'll get the peroration, both sides, uh, re- overreaching for their social media clips. So this is question number six from Keir Starmer. Higher wages and higher skills, he says. How out of touch he is. yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: What, what do they, they laugh? What do they say to Rosie? What do they say to Rosie? Because Rosie's is the sort of person that this impacts on. Laugh away, a single mother, working on the minimum wage in a nursing home. She got in touch with me. She will lose £87 a month due to the universal credit cut—a huge amount to her. She will now also be hit with a national insurance tax rise. She's asked for more shifts and she can't get them. She's unable to get further help with childcare. What did the Prime Minister, what did the laughter say to Rosie? This is a government that underfunded the NHS for a decade before the pandemic. Took eight million pounds out of social care before the pandemic then wasted billions of pounds of taxpayers' money on dodgy contracts, vanity projects and giveaways to their mates. They cut stamp duty on second homeowners, super tax deductions for the biggest companies, and now they are telling millions of working people that they must cough up more tax. Isn't this the same old Tory party always putting their rich mates and donors before working people?
1: I mean, we should just jump in there. It's the same old Tory party putting up taxes to fund the NHS. It's a hard... He's trying to refight what happened before yesterday, isn't he? Yeah,
5: the, the interesting question is, what, what will the public, when that NHS levy comes out, comes out of their pay slips for the first time, will they see, we're funding our NHS, the government, the government is doing a good thing here? Or, as the Labour Party bet, will they resent the fact that money is coming out of their pay slip? They thought, well, hang on, weren't we already paying for the NHS, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and that's the, big, that's the big gamble both both sides are making,
1: that the public will see this policy in the terms they want them to see it. Uh, we just had a message in from Peter who said, and we've had loads of this sort of thing, and I've had it on uh, social media in the last couple of days as well, didn't the Brexit bus offer £350 million a week for the NHS so we don't need the national insurance increase? And this has mainly come, it has to be said, from uh, Twitter accounts with the uni- European Union flag in the, uh, in the handle. Um, I mean, you could argue uh, if if basically lots of people would accept that the three hundred fifty million pound figure was nonsense and it was a gross figure, not a net figure, and all of that. But actually, Theresa May massively increased NHS funding, which was dressed up as a delivery on that promise when she was prime minister. And this is more money. And I just don't know if this this attack uh, of same old Tory party works when they're putting loads of money into the into into the NHS. Yeah, indeed. And and the polling we had
5: over the weekend did suggest that this was a pretty safe bet politically. You YouGov did a snap poll yesterday where um, it was essentially deadlocked. Uh, 44% supported the NRI rise, 43% opposed it. Um, and it all comes down to how the public how the public feel in yeah, time yeah. and whether they feel like they're getting
1: their money's worth. Yeah, well, uh, so that was uh, the last questions from Keir Starman. Let's hear how Boris Johnson responded.
4: Well, I think very sadly, Mr Speaker, what you're hearing is the same old nonsense from Labour because... Yeah. Uh, what they want to do, they want to scrap a universal credit and I have every I have every sympathy for for Rosie and I admire uh, her and, and families up and down up and down the land. but the best thing we can do for them is have a strong and dynamic economy and as I t- as I speak to you know. Our economy is the fastest growing in the G7, uh, Mr Speaker, because we've had the fastest vaccine rollout and the fastest opening up of any comparable country, Mr Speaker. And never forget that he would have kept us in the European Medicines Agency. He attacked, he did, he attacked the Vaccines Task Force, Mr Speaker. And if we'd listened to to Captain Hindsight in July, Mr Speaker, we wouldn't have the fastest growing economy in the G7 we'd still be in lockdown yeah! mr speaker yeah! and, if, and if, it's true and if we listened to him today we wouldn't be trying to fix the nhs backlogs and we wouldn't be finally dealing with social care mr yeah! speaker this is the country this is the government that takes the tough decisions to take this country forward yeah!
1: be such loud uh, cheers there it's distorting the microphones
5: I, I also uh, something that's been slightly annoying me for this entire session it's not a substantial criticism of Keir Starmer, but he gets very squeaky it's almost like he's you know leading a house martins tribute
1: band it's so <laughs> nasal and I well, he, well famously he was in a band with um Norman Cook Oh yes oh he played the violin with played him, the violin wasn't with Norman Cook who was later the bassist of the house martins yeah there yeah, we yeah that's the sort of trivia you don't get on the other side.
5: No, no, no. <laughs> I could I could talk to you all afternoon about the House of Martins, but that's eleven o'clock tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> interesting, you know, it's it's really interesting. I was just scrolling through Twitter as Boris Johnson, um, you know, as you got to ha- Captain Hindsight, I, I mentally checked out, and the, the at top of my feed this tweet from Aaron Bastani, not often a man uh, quoted approvingly on Times Radio, but. He said exactly the same thing as the Prime Minister, as does the rest of the left Labour Party, as do lots of Labour MPs from across the Labour Party privately, which is watching PMQs and just, wow, grown-up politics seemingly means the government has no opposition for five years. Labour having no policy on
1: anything is giving Johnson such a free hand and it's very difficult to disagree with that. So that's the view from uh, the left. Uh, here's a view from Dominic Cummings, who's also just tweeted, Tell your friends the Tories are making the young who can't get a house or, uh, and working for average below-average income already screwed by a decade of hapless Tory government, <laughs> of which he was a part, uh, to work harder to subsidise older rich people. They promised to do the os- opposite. Hashtag regime change. That's so all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget, you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from?
0: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.